This is the Statman Sports Podcast, where we keep topics in context. This is your host, Steve Duffus, who is still wondering why the Seahawks didn't run the ball. It's a beautiful day to talk sports, baby. Welcome to episode number 28 of the Statman Sports Podcast. This is your host, Steve Duffus, and today... I have a great topic for you guys, but wait on, wait a minute. But before I get into that, shout out again to Jay Harris, man. That was an amazing episode, an amazing moment for me last week to be able to speak to him. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you want to replay it back, you can go back on Buzzsprout, listen to it on iTunes, Spotify. For those new new listeners, if you came here for the first time, wherever you came from, hey, if you haven't already, just subscribe. Guys, it's a topic that you guys have heard about. I'm sure you're tired of it, the greatest of all time, but not the way you think. What is the criteria for greatest of all time? Just like a gentleman. There's not a written handbook to tell you what a gentleman is. I don't know what all the criteria are. And everybody doesn't know. And for the greatest players of all time, what is that criteria? I don't know what it is. We're going to talk about Maradona, Pele, Lionel Messi, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, etc., etc. And I'm sure you guys have your opinion. So you can leave them on Instagram and Facebook in the comment section. But for right now, guys... With no further ado, we're going to get into this with our special guest today. Enjoy. All right, guys, today. So, <sighs> it's something really bothers me about this whole idea that we live in this era. We want things to be instant and we want instant gratification right away. So, watching these elite basketball games, NCAA, Elite 8, Sweet 16. Everybody's rooting for Duke, obviously, because Zion Williamson, he's a phenom. He jumps out of a building, man. I'm even amazed by his his strength and power and his athleticism. But then I saw certain takes on TV all over the place, and it made me start to think. This debate of the greatest of all time, or who should be the greatest, or who is, or who isn't, it's getting a bit out of hand. Zion Williamson has not even stepped foot on an NBA court, and people are already talking about he's the top 50 basketball player? Man, that's ridiculous. But today I have someone with me. You guys already heard him multiple times. Davis Wallace. What's going on? Nothing much. Just waiting for the Final Four at this point. Of course, man. I mean, everybody, like you said, we're waiting for the Final Four. Everybody's mourning their brackets because pretty much everyone, almost everyone had Duke. At least I had Virginia going and winning it all, so I still have some hope. I don't know about you. No, I'm I'm done with mine for for the second straight year. I I go 0 and 4 with my final four picks. So just need to come up with a new strategy next year. <laughs> I know, right? But man, let's just get right into it. I mentioned it earlier. People are already talking about Zion Williamson being top 50 NBA player. But let's let's rewind for a bit. You look at the Duke Michigan State game. To me, in my opinion, the score didn't reflect who was the best team on the court. Michigan State won, and I believe they were better prepared. They had a strategy. Cassius Winston has one of his best games in college. And the score showed it. I mean, the final score, they won. And I thought the better team won. I don't know what your take is. Yeah, I would agree with that. Duke definitely has the better talent. But the way they've been playing, it's more or less like street ball or more so AAU where they have a short bench and they just rely on Zion and RJ to get them out of tough binds over and over again and finally caught up to them against Michigan State. Of course. And, you know, when when you have that talent level in college, I, I was watching NBA games the same night as well, and I can tell the talent gap was just astronomical. So these guys have a lot of work. Sure, they're only 17, 18, 19-year-old kids. 
they're gonna they're gonna make it to the NBA for sure. Zion or RJ Barrett, top five picks, consensus. We know that. But I I saw this and I don't know if you saw it as well. Well Gilbert Arenas went on a podcast and he was talking about how many flaws Zion has. He's like, Man, yeah, Zion is athletic, but he can't run pin downs. He can't set proper picks. He can't come around the curl. Where's his jump shot? And it made me start thinking about these ridiculous debates that I mentioned earlier that people are having whether Zion is top 50 NBA player already. I don't understand this. Davis, help me out. Well, you know, like the the world we live in with this, it's just everything about highlights with House of Highlights and ESPN is just in bed with Duke. So they've just been pumping the Zion train all season. So that's all it is. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. I buy into some of the hype because, of course... We do live in a zero where it's instant gratification, like I said earlier as well. I mean, we want to see things right away. I remember before Zion even stepped foot on a college basketball court, we were already watching all his mixtapes. Dude was just dumping, dunking over like four feet, <laughs> white boys. You know, he was just doing crazy stuff, and we were all amazed. I mean, to his credit, and, you know, he made use of the technology we have now. But, of course, you mentioned something earlier that, to me, was quite interesting. Duke relies solely on their talent while Michigan State relied on their game plan, regardless of their talent. They utilized their talent plus the game plan, and Coach Izzo had a great game plan in order for them to win this game. But Coach K, as great of a coach he is and considered by many the greatest basketball coach, a college basketball coach of all time, what is your take about how his, he went about the game? How he went about the game? He, he's just been doing this all year. I mean, really, everyone just got cut up caught up with the fact that they killed Kentucky. They're, they were beating Kentucky by 40 points at one point to start the season. So in addition to having the number one recruiting class for the third consecutive year, they just thought Duke was going to go undefeated. But really, this has been the Duke team for the last five years or so, I'd say. Just like they they go about seven deep, which in college isn't that deep. And... I'd say 50 to 70% of their offense comes from the freshmen. This year, it seemed more like 80 since it was just basically RJ Barrett, Zion, once in a while, Reddish, depending on his, his streak. Sometimes Trey Jones would, would get it going. But I mean, he, he was more of a stat stuffer. And just everyone else would, it seemed like they'd be afraid to shoot or weren't allowed to shoot for whatever reason. Right. And off here, off here, you were telling me about this hot take that you had about Coach K. And I wanted you to save it for you to tell the listeners what you think. Because I'm, I'm actually intrigued to hear this take from you. Yeah, my take is after they lost last night is that Coach K is, is a bit overrated. And I know that, that might see, it might seem like I'm a hater. I'm a UNC fan. People think I'm biased. This, that, and the third. But really, you just have to just look at the numbers look at the results and and just think about it and be logical about this because dating back to 2010 that's really when the the one and done really start started going coach k he's he's had the the number one recruiting class the last three years like i said but he's only been to two final fours granted they they won those years they won 2010 and they also won in 2015 but don't you think with, with the talent they have, they'd be going to more Final Fours, to at, at least to the, to the semis? Absolutely. And this is quite interesting of a take because I, I spoke to my dad earlier in the week. 
and um he was telling me how he feels about you know this whole greatest of all time debate which also led to me wanting to talk about this and made a whole you know episode about this is because yeah sure we look on paper and say oh this coach has all this talent they should be winning all the time but it also reflects like you say on the coach if you have all this talent why can't you win all the time right so that's just an amazing point to make but then i want to go back to zion top 50 player in the nba and he hasn't stepped foot on the court yet so what does that tell you about the type of pressure they're putting on him one and the disrespect they're showing to the players are actually in the nba performing well, yeah definitely and it's just i mean everyone just loves zion i mean i, I get like the appeal he he's he dunks he's he's really athletic just the we haven't seen someone like this with like his skill set his speed and he does generally seem like a, a really nice kid but to to already put him as a top 50 player some people have him already going to the hall of fame and he hasn't done anything on the nba level yet i i just don't get it and just and also just the fact that like his team wasn't good enough to make the final four this year right that i wouldn't put that all on zion because he he has been showing out all all season he, even in the, the games they, they've lost and he, he's still been doing the thing clearly he'll, he'll win national player of the year but for me i think this is this goes more on coach k than it does on zion just like what i was saying and compared to his other coaches i'll, I'll even leave unc out for this so compared to John Calipari, who everyone criticized, since he everyone says that he has the best NBA talent and he doesn't do anything in the, in college compared to the the talent he has in the NBA, but he's been the four Final Fours within the last since 2010. Tom Izzo, this will be his third Final Four. Jay Wright has been the mm-hmm. two Final Fours and he has two national championships to show for it. Bill Self mm-hmm. has been a three, has been a three Final Fours. So it's really, when I say that Coach K is overrated, it's more that he's not as great as people say, as like he's not the greatest of all time just yet. He's Yes, he's still a great coach, but I don't think he's the best coach in his own conference. Wow, there you go, guys. <laughs> you heard it here first. Davis Wallet said he's not even the best coach in this conference. And of course, that leads into the entire topic, which I was you know trying to get it people come up with these criteria as to make who's the greatest player of all time or who's the greatest coach of all time and up to this day i'm going to make a comparison that maybe some of you might shun but to me it's something i've always lived by when when in life we talk about being a gentleman right davis people talk about the ladies tell us we have to be a gentleman i don't know if there's a handbook written to describe what a gentleman is right is it up to the 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 female is it up to you is it up to society who comes up with this like who says opening the door is a gentleman thing who says giving out flowers just because it's a gentleman thing you know who says she has to hold you have to pull her chair out you know you get my point and i'm sure the listeners will get it too there isn't a book written about this so when we talk about greatest players of all time greatest coach of all time who comes up with this criteria all i can say is is that over time depending on what era we're in and the availability of information that we have, we start to decipher and look at things for ourselves. And that leads me into talking about this. When people were talking about Zion being already top 50 player in the NBA, right? I went to look and I started thinking to myself, I don't even think Zion is top 50 college player ever for that matter. Okay. 
let's just start with Luol Cinder. People don't even know. Some listeners don't even know who Luol Cinder is. Matter of fact, let me translate. Luol Cinder. This is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who happened to change his name, okay? This man averaged 26.4 points a game, 15 and a half rebounds, three games at UCLA. And that's not even the most ridiculous stat. Because Zion was averaging like, what, 27 or 26 points a game as well? This is what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did in college. He won three national championships. He played 90 games and won 88 of them. Okay? (laughs) Those three stats alone just already proves why he's the greatest ever. And to me, it's the most ridiculous thing when people come up with this. I'm a, and then if we if we even leave our Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, let's talk about Rick Barry. Some of you don't even know who Rick Barry is. You know who you know how Rick Barry used to shoot free throws underhand. This man in college, he averaged twenty nine point eight points a game and sixty nine and a half rebounds for the Miami Hurricanes. Okay, that's that's how ridiculous he was. Let's talk about Elgin Baylor. Elgin Baylor. He averaged in three seasons 31 points a game and led the nation in rebounding in 1957. Okay, and I, keep, I can keep going down the list. Davis, do you remember Len Bias, who played for Maryland? I do. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We talk about Len Bias. Let's talk about Larry Bird. Larry Bird averaged 30 points a game, won a national championship. Then we talk about Austin Carr. For his entire career, he averaged 34 and a half points a game. He won the 1971 National Player of the Year. Come on, guys. Wilt Chamberlain? Do you guys forget about Wilt Chamberlain? Okay, his first game in college, he scored 52 points and grabbed 31 rebounds. He averaged 29.8 and 18.3 points, I mean rebounds per game, okay? This man used to dominate so much. Back in the day, they didn't have a shot clock. You know what team used to do? They used to just hold the ball so they don't get possessions to give him the ball. You know how dominant you have to be for folks not to do that? And then, let. The list goes on and on. But I just mentioned one more name. Tim Duncan. Most of you are aware of who Tim Duncan is. Okay. By the time Tim Duncan left college. This was what? 1998? 1999? Tim Duncan. 96? I want to say. No. I think. No. Because he, he won the, the championship as a rookie, I believe, for the Spurs in 99. Anyway. Either which way. It was, it was late 90s. Tim Duncan played all four years in college. And he left college as an all-time leading rebounder okay and he's the only player in ncaa history to score a thousand five hundred points have a thousand rebounds 200 assists and 400 blocks okay and i didn't even mention patrick ewing danny ferry phil fords even jimmer for guys forget how nice jimmer for was okay like people just forget how crazy it is so to me it's just absolutely ridiculous right if you just look at the statistics and you look at how these men play the game of basketball granted i haven't seen much of them play but i've seen tapes of them you can't tell me that zion is better than this guys zion doesn't even have a post game he can't take anybody off the dribble and and this is where i agree with gilbert arena sure i give him the benefit of the doubt he has time to grow he's only 18 years old but he can't run off of pin downs he can't get a catch and go he's the guy setting the pick so he can catch an alley-oop in the nba that's not gonna be enough i'm not gonna say this is a hot take and i'm not gonna say this is something crazy but as of right now he's just steven adams with hops that's who he is if you want to crucify me the comments section is open you can come at me we're there for that 
But Davis, I don't know, man. I had to go on this rant to let folks know that that's a crazy talk. It is. I mean, I wouldn't go that far that he's Steven Adams. I mean, he, he is really athletic, and I think he will be successful in the league. But just, just going off with what you said, I don't even think he's the, he's the greatest player at Duke just because, I mean, most accomplished player is definitely Christian Laettler. Christian of Laettler. course. Of he, course. He had, he had over 2,000 points, over 1,100 rebounds. He was in four straight Final Fours, went one National Player of the Year, and he won two national championships. Back-to-back, back, 91 and 92. Crazy. Yeah, and, yeah, and even his teammate, Grant Hill, he – he was just shy of 2,000 points. He had he had 1,924. Exactly. So, so, you know, this whole idea, Shane guys. Ba- Shane. Go ahead, Davis. Yeah, and I was going to say, even Shane Battier, who I despise the most. Yeah, he he's he's just ridiculous as well. And, he, you know, folks keep just folks just keep forgetting, right? They just, just, just live in a the moment. They do. And Battier, he also won a Wooden Award. He also... Had nineteen hundred points, over eight hundred rebounds, two hundred steals, two hundred blocks. I put those those three, and make sure you put Redick too. Those four would be the top four Dukies of all time. Absolutely, man. You know, and, and you know, even even if we broaden the spectrum about talking about the greatest players of all time, because I feel like I just shut down the whole idea already, just mentioning these names and giving you the statistics. But like I, I said to you, Davis. Off here when we were just discussing. And I want the listeners to understand this as well. When I started the podcast, I wanted to give a broad spectrum about why we say certain things. At least me. Why I say certain things and how I can back this up. Okay? I had a discussion in the chat about football. Soccer for the Americans. Where these guys argue to me and say Messi is not the greatest player of all time. I personally don't want to get into the whole LeBron and Michael Jordan thing because to me that's not even a discussion for that matter because again because we don't know what the criteria is we have to go off you know what we see and what the statistics are right not to get into the whole Jordan thing in detail I just want to mention this to folks and I just want to make it very clear even though you heard it already Michael Jordan went to six NBA finals 91, 92, 93. He retired 94, 95. Came back 96, 97, 98. He went 6 for 6. Averaged 33 points a game in NBA Finals with 6 rebounds and 6 assists. And won 6 Finals MVPs. Okay? If you put aside everything else he's done, nobody has even come close to that. If you want to bring up Bill Russell, okay, let's talk about the era Bill Russell played in. There only was 8 teams. There was no competition. Michael Jordan played in the league when there was 28 teams. Or 30 teams for that matter. Okay. You can say. Oh well granted. He played five game series. Sure. He did play five game series. But that also plays into his greatness. Because he only went to game fives once. In his career. And then let me fast forward. When Michael Jordan got into this prime. When he got into the league. Into the NBA finals. Sorry. He played the Los Angeles Lakers in 1991. Okay. People used to say Michael Jordan is not a passer. Michael Jordan can't initiate the offense. Let me just remind you folks. In 1991, Michael Jordan averaged 34 points and 12 assists in the NBA Finals against Magic Johnson, who's the greatest point guard of all time. Okay? So let me just remind folks of that. You fools want to talk about, oh, how LeBron passed him in the all-time scoring? Let me remind you of something. Michael Jordan missed a season in 1987 or 86. He broke his leg. He didn't play for what? Two-thirds of the season? 
two thirds of the yeah. season. He didn't play. Came back against the Boston Celtics and dropped sixty three in the playoffs. Um, I mean, was it 63, 61? Doesn't matter. He dropped a sixty bomb on them. Arguably, the the best team in the playoffs, who eventually end up winning the championship. Okay, and then let's us let's just fast forward, nineteen ninety two. Okay, they were down 2-0 to the New York Knicks with no home court advantage. They won four games in a row. Michael Jordan averaged 35 points a game. Really? Do I need to keep going down this list? Seriously? You guys want to tell me that you guys say, oh, LeBron James is so efficient. LeBron James is so great. He passed Michael Jordan in points and rebounds and assists. Sure. Michael Jordan played almost four seasons less than LeBron. And it took LeBron almost six seasons to catch up to Michael Jordan's records. Doesn't that say something? Are you guys serious right now? Do we really want to go down this list? I are, are, are we serious about this? So it leads me now to talk about what I was telling you, Davis, and for you listeners to understand me. I know I'm going on a rant, but this is something that you guys need to hear about. When you when you say things to me, or when you mention about the greatest players of all time, a very delicate topic. Sure, opinions matter, but based on your opinion, you need to have factual facts to prove this. There are 78-year-old men who've watched soccer longer than I have been alive. They have watched Pele play. They have watched Maradona play. They have watched a multitude of players play. They have watched the real Ronaldo play for Brazil. Okay? And they're saying Lionel Messi is by far the greatest player of all time. Not because he's he plays pretty. Because a lot of dudes play pretty. A lot of dudes in the NBA play pretty too. Ray Allen has the smoothest shot ever, but you think he's a better shooter than Ray Allen? I mean, than than Steph Curry? Seriously? It's not. It's not just about what you see that looks good. And just like I told these guys in the chat, it's all about putting things together, man. And another comparison I want to make to you, Davis, and for the listeners to understand where I'm coming from, dude. When you stop at the red light, right? You don't stop at the red light because the government said so. You stop at the red light because they gave us requirements as to why we need to stop at the red light. Am I right? You're right. Okay. You just don't stop there because just somebody said so. It's just because that's their opinion. They gave you reasons why you need to do that. So if you want to consider somebody the greatest of all time, there needs to be a requirement list you go down to. I think, and I don't know how you feel, Davis. I'm sure you listeners, you can also leave that in the comment sections. You can tweet at me. You can leave it on Facebook or Instagram. You ought to be surely the best at your position somehow. Because you can't be the greatest player if you're not the best at your position, obviously. Right? If we're talking about football, you have to have a plethora of goals to score. You have to do it against the best competition. You have to perform at the highest level. Right? You don't necessarily have to win all the championship because that's illogical. You're not going to win all the time. But you have to perform at a level at every high competition. Let me remind you guys. I don't need an encyclopedia to tell you this. You know why Messi is the greatest player of all time? One, everybody knows he's going to the left. Every defender knows. Every coach knows. And you still can't stop him from going to the left. That's just something simple. One, Messi played for Barcelona since 2003. Win 2019. How many seasons is that, Davis? From 2003 to 2019? That's 16 seasons, right? 16, yep. Okay. Messi, Messi has scored. 40 goals or more in all competitions in 11 straight seasons. Okay? In 2012, he has a Guinness Book of Record for most goals scored in a calendar year with 92 goals. 
92. You know who the second closest was? Lionel Messi with 75. And you know who the third closest was? Lionel Messi with 65. People say, oh, well, it's not just about goals. Well, if it's just not about goals, that, that just eliminates Cristiano Ronaldo from the entire argument altogether. Because you're right, it's not just about goals. Messi, for the past five seasons, has led all top five European leagues in goals and assists. David, what does that tell you? If somebody leads top five leagues in goals and assists, doesn't that tell you that's a complete player? Definitely that they're all around and they're able to do it on both ends, essentially. So I just want you listeners to understand this and to hear this out. At the top level, Lionel Messi, everybody's talking about, oh, he hasn't won the World Cup, but Maradona and Pelé does. Let me explain something to you guys about international football, even for international sports for that matter. You don't control where you're born. Everybody talks about Ronaldinho and the real Ronaldo, how great they were. Yes, those are my one of my favorite players ever because Brazil is my favorite soccer team internationally. But they were born in Brazil. Okay? If Lionel Messi was born in Brazil, don't you think his talent level and his supporting cast would be a lot better than they are right now? I can win two World Cups and three World Cups if I play for Brazil as well. And especially those Brazilian teams that Ronaldo played on. All Ronaldo had to worry about was getting the ball in the goal. He didn't have to worry about dropping back at midfield. My point being here is, guys, when you talk about greatest of all time, take into all the criteria. Don't, don't bring your feelings into this. Don't talk about... Oh, I don't like the dude, so he can't be the top player ever. Because that's how people talk about Michael Jordan. Some kids that haven't even seen him. They're probably scrolling around YouTube and was like, yo, who's this bald black guy? We don't know who he is. And y'all talking about him as if he's some some bum compared to LeBron. Y'all need to stop, man. Y'all need to watch the sports. Watch the game. Davis, listeners, even if you watch, if you put the statistics away... You look at a game and you see with the eyes. You can tell who's the best player on the basketball court. I'm sure you go to church league games. I know you go to the park. And you can literally tell who the best guy on the court is, right? Yeah, like you said, it's it's definitely the eye test. And I guess one thing that people forget when it comes to Jordan and LeBron is the fact that Jordan does it on both ends. He won MVP in 1998 and he also won Defensive Player of the Year. And the only other player to do that since then has been Akeem Olajuwon. And he's a big man. And he's a freaking big man. But yet here we're sitting talking about LeBron James. You know, another thing I don't understand, right? This is just my opinion, my podcast. This is what I talk about. But I hear other opinions from all different sources everywhere. And it makes me start to wonder and start to think. They don't sway my opinion. But I like to hear what they say. You know, it's quite interesting to me that since this likability process came about, about the requirements of being the greatest player of all time. A lot of people like LeBron, right? Not a lot of people used to like Kobe or Michael Jordan for that matter because they made it tough on their teammates. Granted, for you to be that great, you need to be a little tough, right? I remember, and some of you might not even remember this, I remind you, in 2006, Kobe Bryant averaged 35.7 points a game, six rebounds and four assists for that NBA season. The Lakers won 45 games in the Western Conference and they were the seventh spot. Just, 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 Take a note of that, all right? They won 40-plus games. What was it, 45, 47 games? And they were in the seventh spot. P.J. Brown. Do you guys even know who P.J. Brown is? Do you remember who P.J. Brown is? 
P.J. Brown got more first place votes than Kobe Bryant for the MVP award. Just let that sink in for a second. Okay? So, again, I go back to the question. What are the requirements for determining who the best player is for a season forever? And it bugs me out. It grinds my gears a lot. Because when we want to, the criteria change. Do you guys remember when Dirk Nowitzki won the MVP in 2011? How did that turn out for him? Who bounced him out the playoffs? Was it 2011? I'm sorry, it wasn't 2011. Or was it 2007? 2000. He won, he won it in 2007. He won the finals MVP in 2011. 11. There you go. Thanks for correcting me, David. I think they played the, the Golden State Warriors when they had Baron Davis and they got knocked out in the first round. I think I was yeah, in the basement of college when that happened. <laughs> yeah, that, that we believe Warriors team. Exactly. So it's like I didn't even think Dirk deserved the MVP that season for that matter. I thought LeBron should have won it. That's what I thought. But what, what do I know? But my point is in going on this rant and let you guys know what really is the determination for these things. We need to come to a to a criteria. We need to understand that there are things to prove a point as to who and who, what, and situations make players the greatest ever. We think about Tom Brady, Davis, listeners. We think about this. At no point did we think Tom Brady was the greatest ever still he started winning championships. You know why? Because the criteria for football is different than in basketball. Tom Brady doesn't have an effect on the game just like LeBron James or Michael Jordan did or even Lionel Messi does on the pitch. On football, one man can't win a team. A lot of Super Bowls that Tom Brady was won was on the foot of Adam Vinatieri. But we all tend to want to forget that. Sure, he drove him down a few. But if Adam Vinatieri missed a field goal, what will we be talking about right now? Right? Everyone yeah, before I let you go, Davis, I just really got to get this out, man. Everybody talks about, oh, I'm an Aaron Rodgers homer. I looked at this neutrally. Aaron Rodgers has been in the playoffs every season he's since he's been a starter, minus the one season he got hurt two seasons ago. Okay? The one time. And last season. Yes. One time that Aaron Rodgers was not on the field when the Packers won was 2009 against the Arizona Cardinals with a ridiculous game what was it 54 to 49 it was one of the best offensive games in playoff history Aaron Rodgers had the ball in his hand and he fumbled and the Packers lost ever since the Packers made the playoffs they made the playoff in 2010 they won the Super Bowl in 2011 okay they lost against uh San Francisco 49ers okay and you know how they lost that game the Green Bay Packers had the lead Aaron Rodgers drove down the field scored a touchdown they gave the 49ers two minutes and 11 seconds Gave the defense to go on the field and they end up losing the game. And that has been the pattern ever since Aaron Rodgers has been making the playoffs. He had to be dependent on his defense. Unlike Tom Brady, when Tom Brady has the lead, his defense makes sure they keep the lead. And that's the difference between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers to me. Sure. And granted, he has the greatest coach of all time. One of the greatest defensive minds of all time. But sure, nobody wants to talk about that when we talk about Tom Brady because all we want to talk about is, oh, he has six Super Bowls. Nobody came close to it. But sure, let's talk about the system. Let's talk about all these other things. I'm not denying Tom Brady's greatness, but there's a lot of things that fall into place to help this man become what he is today. So please, when we talk about greatness, bring all the points in here. Don't give me my your opinion. I'm sorry, Davis. Go ahead and say what you wanted to say. 
Well, I, I was just going to say what, what you were talking about with Brady. And, I mean, you are right, but also with that is in each Super Bowl that Brady has won, he did lead the Patriots to a drive within the final two minutes or close to it, final within the final four minutes at least. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not a Brady homer or a fan, but just like you, I, I can't deny facts. And, yes, I do think Brady is the greatest. He is in a great system, but he also is a huge part of that system, especially the offense. They've Absolutely. Won They've won Super Bowls without Gronk. They've won Super Bowls without Edelman before. They're, they're interchangeable with – they didn't even win a Super Bowl with Randy Moss. They didn't win a Super Bowl – or, yeah, they didn't win a Super Bowl with Wells Walker. So, yes, they, they've had a great defense, but he's always propelled them to be in that position for Vinatieri to kick a field goal, for Gaskowski to kick a field goal. To Even this last Super Bowl, he threw a touchdown to Gronk that basically sealed it for them. Yes, the Rams had a chance to cut it close or to, to tie it, but it didn't happen. Absolutely. And, you know, and, you know going on that, that path and what we talk about, you know, me wanted to talk about being the greatest of all time. The whole point of it was when I went down this rant to talk about all the things that I said, and of course, I'm sure you guys will play back to listen to it again. It's it's the point of having a criteria for these things, a requirement, because we can't be flip flopping back and forth based on how we feel about a player or how things are. You get what I'm saying? Because the criteria, we can't judge everything based on just championships. It's not just about championships because, OK, Nobody talks about Robert Ory being the greatest basketball player of all time, and he has seven championships, right? It's more. Yeah, it's more to it. It is, and I mean, it's different with with all the different sports, but I think it has to be a combination of success, even though that's individual success. With with NFL, it's how many All Pros have you made? With NBA, how many All NBAs have you made? So, in addition to you winning, I feel like, and of course, your your stats as well especially in big moments. Like when someone thinks of Tom Brady, what are, what are you going to think about? Probably his playoff performances. Yeah. 28, three comeback against Atlanta. When they think of Jordan, they'll think of the flu game or his push off on, on Russell. That is so not a push off, by the way. <laughs> I mean, the thing, the thing that people don't talk about the push off is Reggie Miller did that a couple of weeks prior to exactly against Jordan. But anyways, so it's really just when when you say the greatest, like what are the greatest? What like what do you think of in the moments? Like I know for LeBron, it's probably the block on Iguodala, him winning championships with Miami. So I mean, he's definitely top five. Absolutely, I, I can go. I can agree with that. He is top five, but but the greatest player of all time. I mean, when even even when people go down the advanced metrics that we have today, Michael Jordan is still leading in all the categories, even if you just look at statistics. I think LeBron has a chance of surpassing Jordan, but he's not there yet. I don't. I don't think. I don't think. Based on everything I've just said, just to make a point, I would say he can't even. I don't even think he's even in the same class as Jordan, because there's, there's nothing is, he can do in your eyes. There is absolutely nothing because. It's something I went off when I start when I started a rant earlier that I went off when I started talking about it was the fact that because of this likeness of liking players, we start to make excuses to put people in categories they don't belong. And LeBron James does not belong in to me in the same category as Michael Jordan based on the simple fact. Since when is losing considered a good thing? 
Meaning, Michael Jordan six for six in NBA Finals and six MVPs. LeBron James went to Finals what nine times and lost six times. If we if yep. we just if we just put it on the side and we just think about this, Kobe Bryant went to the Finals seven times and won five. Okay, he lost twice to two of the top ten defenses of all time. That's the only reason why he lost twice. Sure, you might say, oh, LeBron lost against Golden State. I can also say, in terms of that, LeBron should have never been in the NBA Finals because he played in the Eastern Conference. You could say that too. You get what I'm saying? I do, but I guess really the only blemish that LeBron has is losing the 2011 Finals against the the inferior Mavericks team. But also, I mean, it, even though he's 3-6 and six in the Finals, I think it still is impressive that he was continually to get to the finals that alone is hard and i guess if there's any blemish on jordan is the fact for for whatever reason i guess we'll never know that he took a break from 94 and 95 and was not in the finals for what could have been eight straight years but right. he, he needed he needed a break for whatever reason and lebron never need, needed a break right and and sure you can you can hold it against him but i rebut that by saying we we can't when players don't play we can't hold that against them, for whatever reason it is. If he retired, if he came back and needed a break, we can't say okay we're gonna hold ninety four ninety five against him. LeBron actually played in two thousand eleven and he got destroyed. He disappeared in the biggest moments. I mean people tend to forget this. This man scored a total of eight points in five NBA Finals games in the fourth quarter. Let me be very specific. In four quarters he had a total of eight points. Michael oh, would have never done that. Yeah, and that that's the biggest difference. Even even like the the greats like you talk about, like that would never happen. Like Kobe wouldn't have a game like that in the finals where he just disappeared. Bird wouldn't have a game like that in the finals where he disappeared. Magic wouldn't have a game like that in the finals. And they're arguably top ten players. And even someone like Wade, who who was balling that season, balling that finals, he was basically looking at LeBron like Come on, let's let's go. Let's get this ring. And whatever reason, LeBron didn't show up. I don't know if the moment was too big. So, like I said before, that's probably the biggest blemish with LeBron. You can say, yo, he was always the underdog when he made it to the finals. This and right. the third. Yes, he's putting up stats. Yes, he sort of he should have won Finals MVP in 2015 when he basically what took the Warriors to six games without Love, without Irving. Mm-hmm. But. He has the stats. That's why I feel like he, if he keeps going at the rate he's going, and if he wins, I'd say one more title, then you can convince me that he's better than Jordan. But I guess we don't know at this point if he will get there after this the season that he's he's having now. Right. But I, like, I, it's 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 still possible. I feel like. Yeah. I, I I again. This is this is just like me beating a dead horse. I think that's just gone to me that ship sailed a long time ago and yeah sure i i hear guys like you know like you know like nick wright and other personalities on tv saying like oh yeah when they beat the golden state warriors in the 2016 season that championship should count for three no bro it doesn't count for three just because you want to if some if an alien came to earth and that's always been my thing as well if an alien came to earth and you had to and they see basketball players how will you be able to convince an alien who the best one is you get what i'm saying like how how would you do it? Are you gonna say, oh yeah, LeBron beat the Golden State Warriors 2016, so that championship counts as three? No, on paper it's just one. It doesn't matter how great the team was; it's just one championship. You get me? We we are the ones as people who want to put the emphasis on 
who they beat and when it happened and situation that happened sure does it matter of course we look back at it obviously because if you think about the 2001 seattle mariners these guys won 115 seasons and got knocked out by the new york yankees in the playoffs that's that's an amazing accomplishment i mean that, that's the best mlb record ever in a regular season and they got knocked out in, in i think what, what was it the first second round of the playoffs and second round it in the yeah, alcs in the alcs so yeah it's a good accomplishment but nobody looks back and say oh that will make that yankees team great it was just an amazing accomplishment nothing else it doesn't add or take away from winning or losing and that's my thing when we talk about greatness you know people always want to diminish somebody rather than just putting them side to side and making the comparison neutrally you know and, and that's why to me it's always been a big issue every time that discussion comes up every time you bring the factual statistics in front of people they want to run away from it people always say oh the six for six championships is all the only thing that you bring up but then when you bring up all the other things they don't want to hear it per is the most efficient statistic for a basketball player Michael Jordan's efficiency rating was what, 20, it was, I think it was 29.4 or something like that? And LeBron's like 28 point something? Sure, it's not far off, but as much as people say LeBron's efficient, Michael Jordan was so much more efficient. And to think about this, you watched Jordan in his prime. I watched Jordan in his prime. Jordan used to take some bad shots. He used to take a lot of mid-range jumpers. He's, he's not like LeBron. He wasn't driving to the basket every play or most plays. And he was still shooting 50% from the field. Like, how ridiculous is that? Yeah, definitely. Especially early on when he, he didn't have a jump shot. Even that 60-point game, he, he had, I think, one three-pointer made. I mean, three-pointers, they weren't prevalent as they are now. But a lot of his shots were just 15 feet and down. And he'd post you up. He'd do his fadeaway, like you said, to be close to 50% from the field. Granted, he, he did have some bad shooting series and performances where he'd shoot under 40%. But... Yeah, like you said, he was pretty efficient, and no one, I guess, true LeBron fans don't acknowledge how great Jordan's defense was compared to LeBron. Like, that is just in a different category. Yes, LeBron has been on all all defensive teams, but, I mean, like I said, it's just a, a different atmosphere when it, when it comes to Jordan's defense. He, just the fact, he was the hardest player to to guard against when you're playing the Bulls, especially in the 90s. And yet he'd either be him or Pippen would guard the best player on the other team. LeBron's not doing that now. Right, and even in his prime, he wasn't doing it. I mean, sure, he had his moments. But yeah, Jordan wasn't having moments. Jordan was having games, seasons, guarding the best player. Sure, everybody want to harp about he having Scottie Pippen. Yeah, Michael Jordan didn't draft Scottie Pippen. The Chicago Bulls did. Okay, so we can't hold that against him. And the same we can say for LeBron is look at it neutrally. He never had a Scottie Pippen type caliber play on his team. But let's not remember, uh, Michael Jordan didn't have Chris Bosh or didn't he have Dwayne Wade? Michael Jordan never had a center that can shoot three pointers or can post up. Who was his best center? Bill Cartwright? Seriously? <laughs> I mean, or, the, or Luke Longley, I, I guess. Exactly. And then defensively. To, 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 to go about, you know, you keep talking about the, 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 the criteria for being great, right? We, we switch back between football, basketball, you talk about the NCAA. You got to think about the rules they're playing under, the team they plays against. The, one of the strongest reasons, if you even put the statistics aside, Michael Jordan played in the better conference when he played. His conference was the dominant conference. The best players in the NBA was in his conference. I don't know if some listeners might remember this, but there was a joke going around in the early 2000s, even Michael Jordan retired. 
where it was talked about if memes existed then they'll probably created a meme where you put you know photos side to side and the question would be how many people did michael jordan stop from winning championships and that list would be astronomically long alonzo morning patrick ewing reggie miller um who else the entire new york <laughs> the entire new york Knicks squad tim um, hardaway tim hardaway um carl malone clyde drexler gary payton gary payton come on magic johnson even but well, i mean granted they were a little older but still you know he stopped all these dudes from winning multiple championships Did it wasn't a cool yeah charles barkley there you go Charles Barkley had to go on the Houston Rockets when Jordan wasn't even playing for him to win a championship. Sure, that speaks of the dominance of the Chicago Bulls, but also speak of how great Michael Jordan was. Everyone wants to talk about how great the team was. Sure, the the Chicago Bulls won 50-plus games and almost made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Wasn't it for a blown call? But the fact is they didn't make it, and they probably would have never won the championship. You know why? Because they didn't have Michael Jordan. That's how it was back in the day. Michael Jordan played in the tougher conference and he played against tougher players. The rules were different. You were able to hand check. You were able to close the line, people. You won't get an attack for it. Guys, some of you, younger guys, younger kids, if you're listening to this, there's a reason why there's something called the Jordan rules. There's no LeBron rules. There's the Jordan rules. Jordan used to dominate the paint and the Detroit Pistons. Go look it up. Google it. They used to talk about if this man comes to the lane, we're going to lay him to the ground. That's what Michael Jordan had to go through every year, season after season. He played in an NBA era where points were at a premium. If you average 100 points, matter of fact, I don't even think any team averaged 100 points. If you scored 100 points, that was like 140 now. And Michael Jordan was averaging 30 points a game in that era. Think about that for a moment before you guys start spewing this stuff. Sure, you can make a case that LeBron's in the argument, but to me, that ship's already sailed. Davis already gave his opinion. And if you want to give yours, leave it in the comment section. So, quick question about that. So, even if LeBron wins two championships with the Lakers, you won't yes. consider him the greatest? No, I would not. E- because... even, though he, even though he's won a ring with three different teams. Yes, but those are the circumstances he happened to play in. That's what you also got to think about. You can't hold... Again, that's another argument if you flip back to football. And I'm going to get back to the whole Michael Jordan thing. I'll answer that. People hold it against Messi saying he can't play in no other system. He can only play in Barcelona. Oh, so we're going to hold the guy accountable, not accountable because he wants to be loyal to a club? People forget, in club football, he doesn't decide his team. The team decides who they want to buy because they don't have salary cap. So, obviously, the higher club teams that have all the money, they'll be able to get the better players. So, they're obviously going to compete more, right? So, now, when Messi goes to Argentina and he doesn't perform, well, he performs well, but his teammates doesn't. People forget, as much as I gripe on LeBron, he never had great teammates, but he also was aided by the fact that he played in a conference where he was able to get through with his teammates. I don't think LeBron's going to win two championships with the Los Angeles Lakers because he's not going to have the teammates, at least... What I'm seeing right now, he's not going to get the teammates to be able to win. And Davis, you know this, and I'm sure the listeners know this as well. If they look at it neutrally, the Western Conference has dominated the NBA for the past, what, 13 seasons? For sure. I don't need a book to go down history lane. I can read it down for you guys right now. 1999, San Antonio Spurs won. 2000, 
2000, the Lakers won. 2001, Lakers won. 2002, Lakers won. 2003, the Spurs won. 2004, Detroit Pistons won. 2005, Miami Heat. I mean, the San Antonio Spurs won. 2006, Miami Heat won. 2007, who won 2007? The San Antonio Spurs. Spurs. 2008. Yep. 2008, the Boston Celtics won against the Lakers. In 2009, the Lakers won. 2010, the Lakers won. 2011, the Mavericks won. 2012, who won 2012? Uh, my, the Heat 2013 The Spurs won 2014 uh, Spurs who won the, the Spurs again No th- Spurs won 2015 No 14 14 They should have won They should have won in 13 But they won in 14 Right And in 2015 last year. Right And in 2015 I think the Miami Heat won right Warriors That was the first season Ah there you go You're right I'm thinking about it As in 2015 2016 season But anyway yeah Warriors won And 2016 Cavaliers won And 2017 
<laughs> Michael Jordan was a 85% free throw shooter for his career. That, you know how crazy that is? Steph Curry shooting for his career 92%. Just think about that. And he's the greatest shooter ever. We all see maybe this year LeBron is his worst free throw shooting in his career, but LeBron has never been a great free throw shooter. So if you start nitpicking, you start going down the details, you come to realize there's a lot of things that Jordan is just significantly better than LeBron or than Kobe Bryant or anybody you want to put in that Jordan category. And the same I say with Messi. Messi doesn't have a weakness. Have you seen his free kicks? Man, people are calling this man God. <laughs> it's blasphemous. I mean, the way Messi plays, it's just magical, and his he's technically just more gifted than Ronaldo. I mean, I, I've come to like Ronaldo too, but I mean, I've, I've always leaned towards the Messi side on, on these things. But yeah, just like you said, just like he, he's gifted, everyone knows he's going left, kind of just like Ginobili, so it must be a, an Argentine thing. They, they know they're going right. left, and yet you're still unable to stop them. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, the most ridiculous thing that even for Messi, I didn't even bring up the statistics because to me, it's even irrelevant, man. But it's, it's a, it's the craziest thing, right? It's the craziest thing when you look at, uh, at, um, Messi and you bring down the statistics, right? He's been, we talk about not losing in finals, right? Cause we all talk about how finals really matter, right? Okay. Let me, let me bring this up for you guys so you guys can understand why it's not even comparable. Okay, so I brought up Messi's all-time stats in comparison to all these great players. Pele, Maradona, Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo. Listen to this. Just in comparison to the Ronaldo, CR7 right now, Davis, and you listeners. Let me mention this to you. Cristiano Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo right now has played 953 games. Messi has played 804 games. So as of right now, Messi has played 149 games less than Cristiano Ronaldo, Okay. Cristiano Ronaldo has an all-time career, 682 goals. And Lionel Messi has 658 goals. And 149 less games. Okay? So he's lagging behind by 24 goals and he played 149 games less. For his career, Cristiano Ronaldo has 218 assists. Lionel Messi already, with 149 games less, has 270 assists. Think about that for a minute, right? If we talk about just club level, just on the club level, Cristiano Ronaldo has 779 games played. Lionel Messi has 675 games played. So that's what? 122 less games played than Cristiano Ronaldo. Messi has 230 assists to Cristiano Ronaldo's 190. Cristiano Ronaldo has 597 all-time club goals. Messi has 593 goals and 122 games less. Do I still need to go down that list? Oh, we done. You, you see what I, I'm saying? I, I do see what you're saying, and I mean, I, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself a soccer aficionado, but I know the the biggest gripe with Messi. I know you alluded to it earlier is the fact that he hasn't played on um, English Premier Team. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, everyone says like that, that's the conference to be in. So that's just like the Western Conference. That's where they're talking about LeBron too. It's like, oh, let, let's see what happens when he comes to the Western Conference and how he's going to really perform. And I guess you can go, go back to college basketball. I think the ACC, that's that's the best conference. So it's just, and Syracuse got added to the ACC about six years ago, and they're not as dominant as they were in the Big East. So I know that's what a, a lot of, I guess you can say, pro CR7 fans are anti-Messi 
fans right. are saying is like, well, he's he's never played in the EPL, so how great is he, or how will he do with with a the team there? Yeah, I have one statistic. I have one just one statistic for them. Because football, you can you can measure the metrics by goals and assists. You you guys want to know something for you naysayers about Messi playing in the in the EPL? Matter of fact, you'll dominate because they did a goal to assist ratio for Messi playing in all the English teams that he played. Messi played against English team thirty nine times in the Champions League. He has forty one goals. Just so you know, it's not it, it's not going to matter. <laughs> That's how good he is. It's not going to matter because football, unlike basketball, you have more impact on what things you can do on the pitch. You know what I'm saying? You have more freedom to move around. You can create spaces for yourself. Like in basketball, guys can focus and lock you down. In football, unless there's three, four players around you, you're not going to have an impact. You know what I mean? So it's 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 a whole different dynamic. You know, and Davis, you know, to, to wrap this whole thing up, you know, I appreciate you coming here, you know, giving your input about everything we saw in this Michigan Duke game, you know, at the, you know, the context of greatest of all time. But I just want... You fans, you listeners to the show and few people to understand. I'm not here diminishing everybody anybody's opinion. I'm not diminishing anybody's feelings about who you feel the greatest ever. I have my opinions. But just like I've said since episode one of the Stat Man Sports Podcast, if you have something to prove, show us the facts. You can give your opinion, but with your opinion come facts. And that's all I care about. Davis Thank you for coming on, man. And hopefully we'll continue doing this over time, man. Yeah, anytime. And I guess the only other thing that I would add is just because you could be a pro, Messi, pro, CR7, LeBron, Jordan, whoever. But just because you're, you're pro one way doesn't mean you have to be anti the other way. Absolutely, man. That's an amazing point that you just made. Thanks, Davis. And we'll talk later. Yeah, thanks again for the invite. Yes, sir. Ah, that was episode number 28, guys. Hopefully, I don't have to talk about this topic anymore for the rest of the year, but surely we'll probably come up again. Ah, that rant was good. I needed to get that off my chest. I needed to explain some things to some people. It was amazing, man. Thanks, David, once again for coming on, guys. But before I let you go, remember, the store is open. Get your merchandise. Go out there. Advertise it. And be back here next week for episode number 29, where we're going to have Tyson Beck of Tyson Beck Designs. But for right now, Statman, signing out, baby. Thanks for listening to the Statman Sports Podcast. See you next time.